In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We invite the Canterbury kids to come forward. They're going to sing a song to the Lord today, and we just happen to be part of the audience. Very kids. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We do give thanks to God above for all of his blessing, but we give thanks to God for you as well and your voices. No children's sermon. We're just going to keep going. Oh, you can go that way. So, a couple of, a couple of um, funny, funnies. I don't know whether to call them jokes. We'll see in a minute. A young man and a pastor, they're playing a round of golf together. And at a short par three, the pastor asks the young man, what club are you going to use for this hole? The young man says, an eight iron reverend. Reverend, what about you? Pastor says, I'm going to hit a soft seven, and then I'm going to pray. And the young man hits his eight iron, puts the ball right on the green. Pastor gets up, tops the seven iron, dribbles the ball just a few yards out. Young man says to the pastor, I don't know about you, pastor, but in my church, when we pray, we keep our heads down. And then there was a customer in a department store. He's offered a, a very discounted suit by a salesperson. And the customer says, but the arms and the legs, they don't match. One arm and one leg is shorter than the other arm and the other leg. And the salesperson replies, well, that's why it's such a bargain. But don't worry. If you just raise your left shoulder and bend your left knee and walk like this, no one will notice. 
man says, well, okay, and then he buys the suit. And he goes into the changing room and puts it on. He raises his left shoulder and bends his knee and then proceeds to limp out of the store. And as he walks down the street, two ladies notice him. And the first lady says, good heavens, that poor man looks like he's in a lot of pain. And the second lady says, yes, but his suit certainly fits well, doesn't it? Which, who liked it? Thank you, Sonia. Thank you so much. Two communions for you today. And 10% off of your tithe today, okay? Last week, uh, Father Larry preached while we were gone to Paseo. And we, by the way, we had a wonderful Paseo weekend. We had about 40, 45 people from here uh, making the weekend. And God was really present doing wonderful things. But Father Larry preached at all, all three services last week about the call of God on our lives. And, and he expounded on the passage from the Gospel of John, which was last week's Gospel reading, dealing with the call of Philip and then that of Nathaniel. Well, today's Gospel reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, has to do with the same theme of God's calling on our lives except today we have the calling of Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John. And as I was preparing the sermon and listening to Father Larry's sermon on our uh, YouTube live stream recording, I noticed also that he spoke on this passage from Mark 1. And so today, instead of preaching on the call of God on our lives, I want to take a theme from the season of Advent and really talk about it, that whole theme of light the theme of light. When I was a child, I had a unique way of positioning myself when I went to sleep at night. I would lie on my stomach, which by the way was a whole lot easier then than it is today for me. And I would make sure that not one part of my body, not an arm or a leg or an elbow or a kneecap or a little finger or a little toe, Nothing was hanging over the edge of the bed. And I did that to make sure that the monster that lived under the bed wouldn't be able to grab me and pull me under the bed into his lair so as to eat me up. I knew there was a monster there. One of my older cousins told me that a monster was there. And my cousin wouldn't lie about something as terrible as that, I know. God love her, she had a wonderful, a, a wonderful set of qualities. And I looked up to her most of the time, but that cousin really could scare the bejeebers out of me. And she's the one who also convinced me that there was a, mon that, that, that there was a monster who lived under my bed. But it wasn't just my bed, it was, it was any bed, every bed. I could have just traded beds with one of my many brothers and I would have been out of danger, I, I would have thought, but no, my cousin convinced me that every, every bed had a monster living beneath it and any or all of them just love to eat little children. You know, to this day, if I'm sleeping in a hotel room or somewhere else, I catch myself making sure that there's no part of me 
hanging over the edge of the bed. I know it's silly, I know, but something goes on up here. Monsters and darkness and closets. Don't forget about the closets. That's where the trolls live. Not the cute little weird looking fuzzy headed ones that were the rage way back when, but the mean ones from the fairy tales, the ugly, mean, child-eating trolls, which was another gift, by the way, from my cousin. The wild, uncontrollable things, the scary, scary things. You know, a child's fear of the dark is one of the most universal, consistent, widely exploited fears of all because darkness is the place where the wild, scary things are where terrible, ugly, scary creatures lurk, just waiting for us to become vulnerable by lying down, by falling asleep. And really, parents aren't much help some of the time, even though we, as parents and our grandparents, try to be of help. What's the first nighttime prayer that most of us parents or grandparents teach our children? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray you, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. Now what's that all about? If I should die before I wake, what's going to happen to keep me from waking up in the morning? The monster under my bed? The troll in the closet? And isn't it odd that the places and situations that look innocent enough in the light of day should become places of terror in the darkness of night. In the daytime, under the bed is where you stuff toys and clothes, shoes, gum, chewing gum wrappers, and so that your room, it looks a whole lot cleaner than it really is, and so that mom and dad, they don't go nuclear on you. But at night, it's a hideout for monsters whose job it is to reach up and grab you unawares when you are totally defenseless. In the daytime, the closet is where you hang your clothes for some people and you store your stuff there. But at night, it's a doorway to an unknown, frightening kingdom where trolls rule and where children are in danger. Now, for most of us, becoming adults hasn't necessarily cured us of our fear of the dark. At night, when the lights are out and the children are safely tucked into bed to wrestle with their fears, our own monsters come back to life and they torment us yet again. Am I really a caring husband? Am I a loving wife? Do I really try to understand my spouse's point of view? Are we raising our children in the right way? What about my parents? Am I doing all I can to make their later years as pleasant as they made my early years? Can I be sure my children aren't experimenting with drugs? When will I ever be able to slow down? Why doesn't someone invent this magic pill that will make all these excess pounds I'm carrying around disappear overnight, never to reappear? Why do I never seem to be satisfied anymore? Where is God in the middle of all this chaos in our life? Yes, in the light of day, we function pretty well through this messy maze of life. 
paying bills and getting family schedules coordinated, even managing once in a while to eat those high-fiber, low-fat meals that our doctors tell us we're supposed to eat. And the fear of our unknowns, the scary stuff, is kept safely at arm's length, barricaded securely behind our very busy work schedules. But when our world slows down a little, and when darkness falls, the fears creep back in, into our lives, into our hearts, our minds, our souls, and the torture begins once again. Does it, does it always have to be that way? Quoting from the prophet Isaiah, Jesus said, the people who lived in darkness have seen a great light. And to those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. And there's something inside of us that wants to believe that if anything in this life is true, it's just that. Some, something inside of us wants to believe that this is the only hope worth hanging on to. That here is a way out of the fearful mess that we've made of our lives. Somewhere, sometime, we believe that we have seen that light. We remember seeing it once upon a time, maybe a long time ago. If only we could find it again, or maybe if it could find us again, then maybe the darkness wouldn't be quite so threatening and ominous. And that's what we need, isn't it? Light. Remember, we said that in the light of day, our lives really don't look that bad. We can manage. We will be okay. It's only when darkness closes in around us, perhaps a loved one dies, or our spouse says, I don't love you anymore. Or a child says, yes, I do drugs. Everyone else is doing it. I don't care what you think. And we become afraid all over again, just like when we were children. Only now, it's not the monster under the bed or the troll in the closet. It's life itself that we are afraid of. The darkness takes so many different forms now. And the light seems harder to find than ever before, unless you know where to look. Jesus' first mission was to let us know that the light that God brought into this world in himself was the only true light worth hanging on to. The only light that could not be overcome by the darkness or be snuffed out by the winds of change that constantly blow through our lives. And in our encounter with this light, Jesus Christ, we meet God and we begin to understand the God, the depth of God's love for each of us. You know, I remember once when I was spending the night at my grandparents' house out in the country in Texarkana. Uh, they lived uh, kind of in the woods. Woods surrounded their house. They had a lot of acreage. 
I was about six years old, sleeping in a strange bed and being especially careful not to let any part of my body hang over the edge of the bed, and especially in that place. And I was sleeping in a screened-in back porch, and I, I was awakened in the middle of the night from something in the woods making noises, unknown outside noises. And I lay there very still for what seemed to be an eternity, listening for any sounds of life on the other side of the door in the hallway where my grandparents were sleeping. And so I lay there for quite a while. That door was closed, so the only light coming into the room was the moonlight streaming in through that screened-in window. And as you probably know, moonlight can be a very spooky kind of light to a child. And I did lie there for the, for the longest period of time, just waiting and waiting and waiting for the sound of my grandparents to get out of bed, to start moving around in the house so I could join them. And finally it happened. And so we were at the breakfast table and I told them about my sleepless, scary night. And my grandfather smiled. My grandfather was a preacher and also a school teacher. And he looked at me and he said, Stan, you didn't have to lay there. You didn't have to be afraid of the dark all that time. You didn't have to do that. You could have come into the living room and just sat with me. I woke up early and I couldn't go back to sleep, so I got up and I came in here to read. And all you had to do was open that door and you would have seen the light. All you had to do was open the door and you would have seen the light. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And the writer of the Gospel of John says that the darkness could not overcome the light. There is no darkness in your life, my life today, that the true light, Jesus Christ, cannot overcome. So here's the question. Is the light of Jesus shining in your life? Is it shining as brightly as when you first saw it? And if not, let me assure you, it's not because the light has gotten any dimmer. Maybe you've just moved away from the light or you've allowed something or someone to come between you and the light that is now casting a shadow. The light of Christ still burns bright, waiting to illumine even the darkest corners of our lives, even the places where the scary things live. All we have to do is open the door and let the light in. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.